0: This is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld. Today, we'll be discussing the role of Rizikizumab, which is better known as SkyRizi, for the treatment of moderate to severe Crohn's disease in patients who have failed prior therapies. With us today is Barthy Kochar, Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School, and an investigator at the Mongan Institute, as well as being at Mass General Hospital. Dr. Kochar, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Kizumab is a interleukin-23 inhibitor that was just approved by the FDA for treatment of Crohn's disease about six months ago. Can you tell us a little bit more about this treatment and why it's important for GI docs to know about it?
1: absolutely this is an exciting advancement that happened last year to have a new drug for crohn's disease so as many of our listeners may know ustekinumab known by the brand name stelara as an interleukin-12 and 23 inhibitor. And it was the first anti-interleukin approved for the treatment of Crohn's disease. So through this, we learned that interleukin-23 modulates intestinal inflammation through various cytokines. And you see high levels of interleukin-23 in the intestinal mucosa of patients with Crohn's disease. So a selective interleukin-23 inhibitor like Risen Kizumab is a quite exciting advancement for the treatment of Crohn's disease.
0: As I understand it, Risenkizumab is a drug that specifically targets a subunit of IL23. And it's possible it may be more effective than an IL-23, IL-12 dual inhibitor. Can you talk just a little bit about that issue?
1: Absolutely. So ustakinumab targets the P40 subunit, which is shared, by both interleukin-12 and 23, but risen kizumab targets the P19 subunit, which is unique to interleukin-23. And so that's part of what provides that selectivity. And since risen kizumab is relatively new for the treatment of Crohn's disease, like with ustekinumab, I think it's very reasonable to turn to the dermatology literature to understand you know, how this might work better for the treatment of a chronic inflammatory condition. And in the dermatology world, they actually had a head-to-head trial of risen kizumab and ustekinumab for the treatment of moderate to severe black psoriasis. And there they showed that risen kizumab was more likely to result in reduction of the psoriasis disease activity index, both by week 12 and by the end of their trial, more than ustekinumab. And so, you know, from that experience, it's reasonable to extrapolate that risen kizumab might have a slightly faster onset of action by being more targeted to the P19 subunit of interleukin-23, and also maybe a more robust clinical response than ustekinumab.
0: Which would really be exciting in terms of treatment for patients with Crohn's disease if it carries over. And I know in a couple of minutes, we'll talk more about a head-to-head trial of ustekinumab versus risankizumab for Crohn's disease. You know, just to set the stage for our listeners, risen kizumab by blocking that subunit prevents differentiation of naive T cells to produce a number of different pro inflammatory cytokines and suppresses regulatory T cell activity. By blocking that aspect of the inflammatory cascade, that's how we think it may be beneficial something like Crohn's disease. Am I getting that? This is out out of my usual area of expertise, so I want to make sure I'm getting that right.
1: That's correct. The downstream effects of blocking interleukin-23 specifically is the differentiation of naive T-cells.
0: Your latest summary in evidence-based GI reviews the phase three randomized control trials, which were published in the Lancet earlier in 2022. Specifically, it reviews the two phase three trials called the ADVANCE and the MOTIVATE-RCT to look at how good it was at induction of remission of moderate to severe Crohn's. So can you tell us a little bit more about how these studies were designed?
1: Absolutely. These are two separate, both were multi-center, randomized, double-blind placebo-controlled trials. One trial was titled ADVANCE and the other one was titled MOTIVATE, and we'll talk about the difference in a little bit. And in both trials, they included patients with moderately to severely active Crohn's disease defined by a Crohn's disease activity index between 220 and 450, which is pretty consistent with other biologic trials, as well as an average daily stool frequency of four or more and an abdominal pain score of two or more. So it's nice to have these more patient-oriented, patient-reported inclusion criteria. And in both trials, patients were randomized to one of three arms risen kizumab at a dose of 600 milligrams IV at week 0, 4, and 8, so three doses, or risen at a dose of 1,200 milligrams IV at week 0, 4, and 8, or placebo at week 0, 4, and 8. And the endpoint was clinical remission at week 12, defined by a decline in the Crohn's disease activity index really getting to under 150, which again, is pretty consistent with trials of biologics in Crohn's disease. So the advanced trial included patients who did not tolerate or didn't have a good response to at least one or more what they call conventional therapies, things like corticosteroids or mesalamine agents or biologics. And the MOTIVATE trial only includes patients who failed at least one prior biologic this was the important distinction between the two trials. And it's actually very nice to have data on patients who failed one biologic that more realistically parallels the the real-world experience.
0: Sure. And actually, that's what it's FDA approved for, for the treatment of moderate, severe Crohn's disease in individuals who've already failed or haven't adequately responded to biologics. I think I have that right, correct?
1: You know, quite frankly, I don't think that's part of the FDA labeling. I don't think you have to fail at least one biologic agent for Kizumab, but I can clarify that certainly.
0: Okay. We'll double check on that before the end of the podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about how good rizekizumab looked? in the randomized control trials?
1: Absolutely. So in the advanced trial, this was the trial that the patients did not need to fail a biologic and they enrolled 931 patients and actually finally an analyzed 850 patients. And so 45% 45% of patients treated with the 600 milligram dose of risankizumab, 42% of patients treated with the 1,200 milligram dose of risankizumab, and 25% of patients treated with placebo achieved clinical remission by the CDAI definition being under 150. So there's obviously a big differential between the patients in the Risen kizumab arm and the placebo arm, not surprisingly. And in the MOTIVATE trial, they analyzed 569 patients and found, again, similar results. 42% of patients treated with risen kizumab 600 milligrams IV 40% 40% of patients treated with risankizumab 1200 milligrams IV, and 21% of patients treated with placebo achieved their clinical remission endpoint of the decline in CDAI being under 150. So they also, you know, importantly did look at immunogenicity and showed that risankizumab was minimally immunogenic. Something like 1% of patients in the advanced trial and 2% of patients in the um, MOTIVATE trial treated with Risen kizumab had anti-drug antibodies. So again, that's a very small percentage. And overall, the adverse events in both of the drug arms were similar in all the treatment groups. So this is another very important uh, consideration when looking at this trial. So,
0: and I do did double-check quickly, Yes, rizikizumab is FDA approved for the treatment of moderate to severe Crohn's disease, and you do not have to have previously failed another biologic agent, although I think that's how it may be frequently used in practice. In terms of the safety, that seems to be an advantage here. Could you just talk about that in general and what concerns the average GI doc? who may not have prescribed Rizinkizumab needs to understand if they're gonna consider getting it to a patient.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you with the anti-interleukin mechanism. I think the safety profile is quite favorable. And so, you know, when I say that, I refer to the CView trial, which was a head-to-head trial of eustakinumab with adalimumab, an anti-TNF agent, as you know. And, you know, in that trial, they showed that there was similar efficacy between eustakinumab and adalimumab when used as a first-line agent for the treatment of Crohn's disease. And while there was no statistically diff- significant difference in adverse safety events, specifically infections between the two arms, numerically, there was, you know, slight slightly lower number of uh, infectious events in the eustachinumab arm. And that's sort of what we see in the real world and somewhat what's seen in the dermatology literature as well, where they use a lot of anti-interleukin agents. So I think, you know, for patients starting RIBs and Kizumab, it's important to know that it is a biologic agent. So like our other biologic agents, there is a risk of adverse events specifically infections, nasopharyngitis tends to be the most common adverse event in all the clinical trial. And that's basically the common cold. So certainly it's annoying to get the common cold a little bit more frequently, but it's certainly not a serious infection. I think the risk of serious infections usually defined as those requiring hospitalizations are low. There isn't a signal for an increased risk of herpes zoster infection with the anti-interleukin agents, which is nice and you know, like with the other biologics, it's always good to confirm that patient has immunity against hepatitis B, especially because the older hepatitis B vaccinations tend to have a lot of waning immunity. So I certainly check for hepatitis B serologies before initiation. And, you know, I think out of habit, we do check for tuberculosis exposure to look for latent tuberculosis. I think it would be terrible to have reactivation of tuberculosis. That being said, there was actually a recent study in the dermatology literature um, where they observationally followed a small number. I think it was 20 or so patients who had a positive tuberculosis skin test, I believe, and never got treated for it and were on an anti-interleukin mechanism and they followed them out for about five years and there was actually no reactivation. I don't think that's a reasonable reason to not check for tuberculosis. It's always good to know when someone has latent TB and treated anyway, whether or not they're starting a biologic. So those are the infection and safety type conversations that I have. With the other treatments for inflammatory bowel diseases, malignancy risk comes up as something we discuss. With the anti-interleukin mechanism, there hasn't really been a signal for increased risk of malignancies that are attributed to the drug. So, you know, I do reassure my patients that as far as we know, we don't think there's an increased risk of malignancies, especially things like non-melanoma skin cancers and lymphomas and such. So again, it makes it a reasonably favorable occasion to discuss in patients who are at higher risk for malignancies as well.
0: That seems to be one of the strengths when I look over the whole spectrum of the JAK inhibitors and the S1P small molecules, as well as the anti-TNF agents, that safety here seems to be quite good when just in general looking at the spectrum. So risankizumab or Skyrizi has only been available for about six months or so now for Crohn's disease how do you use it in your practice what's a ideal patient to consider using it in
1: that's a great question so that's actually evolved for me over the past 6 months so you know when the medication first came out as you were alluding to initially we just sort of assumed that the only patients that were going to get approved for this were patients who've, you know, failed a number of other, failed, I say in air quotes, a number of other agents. And so the patients that I first started on Risen kizumab were patients who have been through a number of other biologic agents and even used to kinumab and either had, you know, waning response to use to kinumab or, or no real response. And so these were, you know, quite refractory patients, and but we did get them started on Risen And as our state le- legislator last year abolished that therapy laws, you know, I got a little bit bolder in what I asked insurers for approval. And based on the Seaview trial, which I discussed the head-to-head trial of ustekinumab and Adalimumab, you know, I thought it would be reasonable to try an anti-interleukin, a more selective anti-interleukin mechanism as a first-line therapy for Crohn's disease. So I started requesting approval for biologic naive patients with crohn's disease moderate to severe crohn's disease and i actually have been getting approval. so i have a number of biologic naive patients on risankizumab as well and you know again you're really supposed to look for a response after Three induction doses, those first three IV doses, which is done at six hundred milligrams in the U.S. That's what it's FDA approved for. Because as you saw in the induction trials, there wasn't a big difference between the six hundred and the twelve hundred milligram IV doses. And clinically, I you know I have a number of patients reporting response, some clinical response even after just two doses, and, and you know feeling a lot better. So that's very reassuring.
0: And as we mentioned a little bit early on that there is a head-to-head trial of ustekinumab, which blocks both IL-12 and IL-23 versus rizekizumab, which is more specific to the IL-23 inhibition. And that study's completed enrollment. Results haven't been reported yet, but that'll give us a better idea if one is truly better than the other in management of Crohn's disease.
1: We enrolled a couple of patients in that trial too, so we look forward to the results.
0: Well, great. So I think in summary for our listeners, the key points here is that Rizikizumab, or trade name Skyrizi, has definitely been shown to be very beneficial for uh, inducing remission of moderate to severe active Crohn's disease, both in patients who are biologically naive, as well as patients who are past biologic failures with a very good safety profile. And just keeping in mind the basics that there wasn't a dose response relationship or a clear dose response relationship. So the dosages for induction of remission are 600 milligrams IV at zero, four, and eight weeks. Any other main points that our listeners should keep in mind?
1: Well, I think, you know, this is very much going to be part of the armamentarium of treating Crohn's disease. And so, you know, certainly if you're a practicing gastroenterologist who's treating patients with Crohn's disease, this is worth reading about and knowing about your patients will ask about it and getting your infusion centers ready to, you know, start infusing patients as they need it. So I think it's, you know, very important to keep this in mind. And, you know, I'll always say this when we talk about safety is just the safest medication for patients is the one that most effectively treats their disease. So, you know, if there is another medication that you think will be more effective in treating your patients, that's probably the safest medication for them, even if there's a slightly increased risk for serious adverse events in the trials. So that's, I think, something else to keep in mind.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.